Welcome to Parish, a podcast brought to you from St. John the Baptist Catholic Church in Clontarf. We reach out to share with you some of our life and activities as we celebrate our faith and strive to encounter the Lord. We invite you to discover with us how faith is very much alive in our community. Thank you for joining us. It's 10 to 10 on a Sunday morning. You've just arrived at church and you're waiting for mass to begin. You take a moment to look around. Attendees are dispersed around the church in no particular order. A family sits in the middle row, the two siblings having a war of whispers. An elderly couple sits silently a few pews in front of them, closer to the readers who are rehearsing their readings. In the far right, you can see the pianist shuffling through her music sheets. People are coming in and out of the sacristy, making sure that everything is in order. In a few minutes, the Mass will begin. Everything is ready. But what goes into preparing a Mass? Today, we will be interviewing those who work behind the scenes to create our weekly Mass. Here I have Pauline and Claire from the Parish Sacristy. Can you tell me a bit about how you got involved with the Sacristy? My name is Pauline and roughly over 20 years ago, I volunteered to become a Minister of the Eucharist. And from there, I took an interest in the work in the church. And later on, the parish priest asked me, would I be interested in working in the Sacristy? And I volunteered to do the weekend. So I work as a weekend sacristan in St. John's together with Bernadette, Paul and Claire. And we just do one weekend a month. And for the weekend, we oversee the preparation of all the liturgical celebrations, whatever is happening in the church on that particular weekend. Sometimes we have maybe a wedding to prepare for funerals or baptisms, and we're responsible for doing that while normally Saturday morning until after 12 noon Mass on a Sunday. And Claire, how did you get involved? I got involved in 2014. Well, just before that, my dad, Huey, was full-time sarcastic here for many years. And I used to help him on a Sunday when it got busy and he was getting older. And then I got the honour of Father Martin asking me when he died would I like to become a weekend sarcastic? And I was privileged to be asked and I really enjoy the role. Tell me, what is the function of a sacristan? What do you do? First of all, of course, naturally enough, we have to open the church and put on the lights and do the usual things, you know, and we prepare the altar for the mass. How do you prepare the altar? Like what goes into that? Firstly, the candles, the microphones, the various books, the one for the reader and the Roman missalette. We check to see whether it's a feast day or whatever. So we we just have prepared, have the books ready for the priest, whoever is saying the mass. If it's a feast day, how do the preparations deviate? 
No, it's just different readings. Okay. We just check to see what feast uh, it is. Um, we also so try to make sure that the feast has the right colour resonance because for feast days there's obviously different colour resonance okay. and for different um, celebrations. Yes. Is the sacristy involved in cleaning the church before and after Mass? At the weekend, we are responsible for making sure it's cleaned. We ne don't necessarily do it ourselves. We do help when we can, because it's quite busy in the Sarkstians weekend. Basically, we now have very kindly volunteers who clean after the masses on Sunday, which is a great help to us because there's a lot of work to be done on Sunday. So we're really grateful for the people who have volunteered on a Sunday to uh, clean the church after masses. We kind of supervise and make sure that it's all clean and disinfectant, especially since the virus. Of course, because of the virus, there are now the stewards. And Claire, you're responsible for kind of directing the stewards? Sorry, I, I look after the roster for the stewards. We have a wonderful team of stewards who make my life easier. But without them, we couldn't safely open the church. So again, they are most important role for the stewards since COVID. I'm really, really grateful. And, you know, without them, as I say, we couldn't open safely. And because of the virus, again, there's only, you know, a certain number. So one of the stewards has to kind of count the number of people going into the church because there's only a capacity number allowed there for them when you know the body of the church when it's as its capacity they kind of help them up to the gallery and more or less and to make sure that the people are wearing face coverings and that they sanitize their hands we, we just have to remind them sometimes <laughs> of course I read online that the sacristans help prepare the church for special occasions, such as baptisms and weddings and funerals. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What goes into these preparations? For the funerals, again, we have to prepare the altar, but we also have to put out the cross and the book of the Gospels for putting on the coffin. And there's also, of course, there's a funeral team. They have kind of just special candles so we have to make sure that they're you know in order for them uh, as well and then the coffin is incensed so we have to put the charcoal and incense in today's called a tourable and just to have it ready normally at the end of mass you know the priest uh, incense the coffin so we have to have that ready. and also make sure that the holy water is put out again just prepare the various books or whatever you know the priest needs for the funeral that's why the weddings is just really the same as a normal mass, yeah. you know, except you put out the chairs and that. It's really, really the same. This is very little less than a wedding. And baptisms are done, you know, once a month, twice a month, probably once a month now during COVID times. And again, you know, there's very little to be done. They have a great baptism team that look after things generally. So there's very little for us to do when be there. Claire, you also work with the flowers. Can you tell me a little bit about your work? Um, I accidentally got into doing the flowers. I don't know how I did. Um, but basically now we mainly do them for the big celebrations. Of course, Easter being the most important and Christmas. We like to have the church looking nice. But having said that, I think the church altar in itself is so beautiful. You know, we don't want to take away from that either. So, you know, sometimes we have flowers during the rest of the year and sometimes we don't. We don't put flowers on the altar table itself anymore because it's not liturgical correct, I was told. In case people are wondering why, that's the reason. So that's basically it. The two main, you know, the two big celebrations, Easter being the most important, obviously. And Good. she normally has a very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also interviewed Anna, one of the ministers of the word, on her work in the church. 
as Minister of the Word, I read usually at the Vigil Mass, either the first reading and the responsorial psalm, or the second reading and then the prayers of the faithful. So there's a rota. So my turn comes up every few weeks. Now, during lockdown, I was on every two weeks, but now it's less often. I'm also available to read as part of the Easter liturgy. So Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, that sort of thing. How is reading on the holidays different from reading at normal Masses? There are very specific readings for those, and there might be seven or eight readings, for example. So there'll be seven or eight of us doing it. Or, for example, if it's the Passion, then somebody would be the narrator, and somebody would have different parts to read. So you could have three or four people doing the same thing. Why did you become Minister of the Word? Why? Well, <laughs> I was at Mass one evening and there was an announcement. They were looking for readers. So I thought I can read. Uh, I might like to try that. I used to do it a bit at school. And when I was younger, I think maybe I did it for in my own parish. I did it for the Irish Mass because not that many people are keen to read in Irish. And I was OK with that. So, yeah, that's, that's it. I, I just put my name forward. How do you become Minister of the Word? Well, there were a few introductory meetings explaining what the ministry is and what the mechanics are. So, you know, about the microphone when you stand up, you know, because there are quite a few things that you have to do in the right order. It looks easy enough, but uh, and it is. But at the same time, you, you have to do things at the right time and make sure that, you know, the microphone is turned on. Something as basic as that and that it's at the right height for you. So for me, it'd be quite low. So the ministry is about kind of relaying the word of God, I suppose, and conveying the message. And we're encouraged to engage with the congregation by looking up while we're reading from time to time. Of course, that was a little bit different during lockdown. It would be a bit awkward just to stare into the camera, I'd imagine. Yes, yes. But I suppose you have to sort of imagine that there there was a congregation there. Yeah. How has COVID impacted your duties? I'm in a particular age cohort that wasn't affected insofar as I was able to attend right through because not everybody was in that age cohort. It meant that it just meant that I had to do it a little bit more often every two weeks because I was in the age cohort where I could attend, but uh, not everybody was. So there were, I think, only four of us for that six o'clock vigil mass who were able to do it. So every two weeks we were on. So it was a little bit strange because much of lockdown was actually in the winter months. So it was a little bit eerie to be entering and leaving in the dark. And then there were only five people, maybe a handful of people in, in the church. But in a way, it was, it was kind of special. And in fairness, Father Martin and his team did and continue to do you know, a really good job. And they kept everything as normal as possible. And certainly if there's only a few of you in the church, you concentrate a lot more. You know, you're, you're very, very aware of what's happening. I mean, it was it was wonderful. It was a privilege, I suppose, to feel that you were part of something that was reaching into people's homes at a time when they were unable to come to the church. I think we were all astonished at, at what could be done via technology. All of my age group were amazed at what could be done by, via technology. How long have you been a minister of the word? No, I'm not actually sure. I would say maybe <laughs> seven or eight, somewhere between eight and ten years, I would say. I, I can't actually oh. remember. So I'd imagine in that time you've probably read the same thing a few times and you've read different things. Is there any passage or, or reading that is your favourite to read in Mass? That's a very difficult question. But I do find some of the Psalms really very beautiful and very poetic. I think if I were to pick out one one Psalm, maybe Psalm 16. And because we rotate, if I'm doing it this Saturday, for example, I might be on 
as the first reader and the next time I'm doing I'm the second reader. So we get a chance to read the New Testament and the Old Testament. And they're quite different and quite different in tone and that. But yeah, you do get familiar with some passages. And and there's one passage I, re- I really hate to read and I, I don't, if I don't, if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> I don't, I don't read it. <laughs> Somebody else will be prepared to read it as the scripture reading with from Exodus where the where Egyptians are, are drowned in the Red Sea. I find that too too difficult to read. Do you practice reading beforehand or? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, re- I really don't think it, you could just breeze in and, and, and hope to hope to get it right. Uh, for one thing, there are often uh, difficult uh, names, uh, <laughs> you know, that can be quite difficult names. Uh, so I try to check them. There's a thing online you can do. I think it's called Bible Speak. But as well as that, then, of course, I mean, you want to convey the words of scripture. It's important that you try and understand it as well as possible. And I don't think you could do that if you just picked it up. And, uh, you know, it's not written in modern English either. So you, know, you need to be careful about where the full stops and commas are. Have you ever made a really embarrassing mistake, like at the beginning? Um, well, I've certainly stumbled over words, yeah, start, certainly, and stuttered. And sometimes I think, oh, I've got to get just to the end of this now, and I haven't made a mistake, and then I do make a mistake. But look, that's not really it's about, you know, you do your best. Uh, I mean, not, uh, I'm not a professional, I'm not an actor, I'm not a newsreader. I, I just do my best. I try to read slowly to, so that mm. that doesn't uh, arise. I don't think I've said anything awful. I was just wondering, because I am... Um... I used to read a little bit. I like the kids' masses and it's had, and most of the time it, it went all right. But then sometimes I would just get really nervous and they just read the entire passage in one breath. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, uh, yeah. You do have to kind of take your time. All right. And to be honest with you, I, one thing I do is I actually, I have, you know, keep an eye on what line I'm on with my finger. If you're kind of looking, you're supposed to be looking up and engaging, and then you look down and you can't find your place. That's not great. So if you just keep a little <laughs> little tab on it, as you might do as a, a child learning to read. And you said earlier that the point of the readings and what you do is that you deliver the message of the Lord. So what do you get out of delivering the message of the Lord? Sort of? Well, that's a good question. And I suppose I suppose because I need to practice it beforehand. So I, I will have read it a good few times by the time I have delivered it. So I feel I get a just a, a deeper understanding of what I'm saying. And it's, it's, it's not like I mean... The second part of what you do is is the prayers of the faithful. Now I don't I don't rehearse that. I mean I have a quick look at that, but that's you know that's a different sort of a thing. But yeah, the scripture you, you just pay more attention to it, I think, and then you know you don't you don't be more aware of what the other reading was as well, even though it wasn't your your one. You pay, just pay more attention. You're like you're interacting with it more, and thus it sort of becomes a bit more it's more special, and meaning comes into it. With, without a doubt, and I th- I actually think any participation at mass is 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 good. Because it just makes you more involved. You're mentally, you know, you're not just sort of mm-hmm. sitting there. Finally, I spoke to Mary, one of the ministers of the Eucharist. My job as a minister would be just to help the priest uh, during Mass by distributing communion to those attending Mass. And also sometimes we, would, we might be asked to bring communion to the sick, either in their homes or in hospital situations, maybe. Personally, I would also do the roster for our parish. So I would do up who's on duty at what mass and how many ministers we have. And that's how I keep contact details and and, uh, communicate with the ministers that way. Why did you become minister of the Eucharist? And how do you become minister? For me personally, I, I started my ministry quite a long time ago. I started in 1996. Um, and at that time, 
I had three very young children. My youngest was one and I had a three-year-old and a five-year-old as well. So I was very busy with my family, really. But at Mass, one, one day at Mass, we uh, the priests were asking for people to volunteer for the ministry. And I sort of thought, well, that's something I could possibly do because I'm, I'm very busy, so I don't have a lot of time. But there's not a huge time commitment involved in being a minister of the Eucharist. You don't have to give a lot give up a lot of your time. So I thought, you know, with my young family, I could probably do that. But I was very shy to volunteer. I was very slow to volunteer and I didn't put my name down. But I, the thought did occur to me when, the, when it was asked at Mass. Forgot about it. I talked to my husband about it and he said, oh no, you wouldn't have time really for that. A couple of weeks later, a friend of my mom's who lived next door to her, she called at my door with another lady and she said, Mary, I, I was thinking we haven't had enough volunteers. And, and, and I think it was Father Hoolan at the time was in the church. And he, he asked me, would I, could I think of anyone who might, you know, do the ministry or would be, you know, be willing to volunteer? And she said, I thought of you and I thought I'd drop in and ask you, would you do it? <laughs> so I, I kind of felt, well, that's really like nearly a personal invitation from, from God to say, you know, I wanted to do this. So, you know, will you sign up? So that, and I, I chatted with my husband about it and he said he would look after the girls because they were so small at the time. I'd have to have had somebody to look after them. So he volunteered to, he said, I'll, I'll keep, you know, I'll take on the duty of minding the girls while you do that if you want to do it at mass. So I signed up for it at that stage. I, I felt I couldn't say no, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been personally asked. When God asks you to do something, it's very exactly. difficult to say. It's very difficult to say no. Yeah, it is. And I felt that's what I was being asked by him personally. And I said, well, I can't really say no to that. But it is easy to, to, to volunteer. It is easy, you know, if you want to become a minister, it's quite an easy thing to do. You know, you can sign up, you can approach the priest at the Father Martin, it's very approachable. And, and, Father John as well. And you could, if you, you know, they often ask for volunteers at, at mass when we're, because we need quite a few ministers. So you, if you just give in your name um, at, at, to the priests, there is a kind of a little, uh, you know, we, we would do every so often, we would try and renew the amount of ministers that we have. And we do, it's Father Martin would run, run a little meeting then for those who have volunteered. So he would meet with them uh, and go through a sort of an introduction to what the ministry is about and what you would, would be needed from you for it. And also the practical practicalities of it, you know, how, how you, you give out communion, what, what you would need to do and that. So there'll be a little meeting like that and then a commissioning ceremony at one of the masses. And then you take on your ministry sort of really. So it's, it's, not, a, it's not a lot of preparation even, you know, to, to get there. Like, and it's very rewarding. How so? I think it brings a lot of blessings, you know, into your life. I, I, I felt it brought a lot of blessings into my life. You meet new friends who are also ministers and you just feel you're doing something to give back, you know, to our Lord for all that he gives, gives to you, if you like. What does the Eucharist in itself mean to you? Because clearly there's a special, a special job, so it's a special thing. So what does it mean to you? For me, the Eucharist it's really the center of my faith and it's I feel it's my connection with Jesus if you like so he comes to you very personally in the Eucharist 
And it's like he is giving you food for your soul. You know, we all need food for our bodies, food and water for our bodies. And I feel the Eucharist is that food, a similar way. It's, it's the food for our soul. And it, it kind of brings us a strength and a spiritual nourishment. You know, every time that we receive it, it kind of renews our spiritual energy, if you like, because it, it sustains us and it nourishes us. And it helps us to keep going, gives us the strength that we need for our faith, I suppose. And because of COVID, we were unable to go to Mass properly in person. Mm -hmm. And most people were unable to receive the Eucharist. So because it means so much to you, how did this impact you spiritually? Because I know a few people who really wanted to receive communion after a few months because they couldn't. They they yeah. needed it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that you said it there in those words, you really feel you, we do need it. I, I really felt the loss of it very strongly because by not being able to receive, we weren't getting that food for our spiritual journey and our spiritual energy. So our spiritual energy, I felt it was really low and has been really low. And it, I think it's taking even now that the church is open again and we can receive, it's taking time to build back up that spiritual energy because we've, we've missed so much of it and attending mass online gave us something but we weren't getting that physical connection that I feel we get when we receive the Eucharist you know and I I, I think that when you're not receiving it you feel I, I, I certainly felt that loss you know of strength and of a feeling of sadness that really that we couldn't receive our Lord you know and I know that I struggled to cope with a lot of things things throughout COVID. And I feel that not being able to receive our Lord was part of the reason I struggled so much because I wasn't getting that renewal of, of spiritual energy that I, I get from receiving communion. It was sort of like a detachment to the entire process because the, one of the main purposes of the Mass is to receive communion. And so you go to the Mass, you listen to the readings, the Gospel, the homily, but, but you don't get what you're supposed to get by the end of it. Exactly. And in a way, you know, you're attending online, you're watching, if you like, the preparations for, for a meal. <laughs> and, and then you're not actually partaking yeah. of the meal. So there's a huge feeling of loss there feeling of that you're not a part of it and I, I think though just to take something positive out of it I think it made us appreciate what we do have because up to now in my life I've always been able to if I wanted to go to mass any day of the week and receive our Lord and I you know we sort of take that for granted and not being able to do that made you appreciate that you can do it normally how did COVID impact your duties as minister of the Eucharist? Because if we weren't able to have mass and communion wasn't being delivered, I'd imagine that this would impact your duties. Yeah, hugely, hugely, because we weren't needed while the churches were shut. And now that they've opened again, our ministry has changed a bit as well. I mean, our procedures have changed. We, we don't need as many ministers on the masses that we did need because there's obviously not the same numbers at masses and we don't distribute as well under both species. So normally we would we were distributing both the host and blood of the consecrated wine. So we needed a lot more people to do that uh, at each mass. Now we're only offering the bread. Our numbers are, are not the same that we need. 
Can you detail some of these different procedures? Because having been to Mass since the churches have reopened, it's quite different. They do it in sections, don't they? They do detail process. Yeah. The church is now divided into sections. So there's no mixing of, the, of those sections. So we would have now either only one or, or two ministers on each Mass, as well as the celebrant. So our celebrant would distribute in the top section of the church. One minister would go to the first gap and one minister would go to the back of the church. Only that minister would distribute in that area. And the person at the back of the church would also cover the gallery if there's anyone up in the gallery. People would approach only in once in single file, whereas before people had the option to receive into their hand or or receive onto the, the tongue. Now we are only to give into the hand. So people don't have that option just to receive on the tongue. Obviously, there's hand sanitizing. We would be much more conscious of that. So we would sanitize our hands before when, when we go to the altar, we sanitize immediately. Then we receive our communion ourselves from the celebrant and we would sanitize again having after receiving communion from the celebrant ourselves and then before we go and distribute to the congregation and again sanitizing after we come back up there's a lot of hand sanitizer involved there is and we're you know you're much more conscious of that and conscious of that the people coming to you as well might be nervous they're thinking about what they could be picking up now that we know a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes I hope we can all appreciate the little aspects of our weekly Mass a little bit more. I know I certainly do. I would like to give a special thanks to Pauline, Claire, Anna, and Mary for all the work they do and for taking the time out of their day to sit down with me for their interviews. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Parich, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Parij. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like more information on the activities that were discussed in this episode, please visit our website, www.stjohnsclontarf.ie. We look forward to meeting with you again. Until then, may God hold you in his hand.